FN Nation, what's going on? It's uh, it's a bit of a rough week uh, across the fantasy football landscape. I am Dan Malin, and I am joined by Mike Alexander. Mike, how you doing on this Monday night? We are recording this during the Monday night football game, so if you hear any oohs or ahs from us, you know why. Yeah, you know, uh, doing about as well as my fantasy teams fighting the, the first cold of the Alexander household season uh, with a one and a three-year-old. I'm, I'm sure it's not going to be the last. So let's talk about it right off the bat. You know, it's a short podcast. We're going to we don't have time to go over every injury from yesterday. We will touch on the big ones uh, right off the bat. Done for the year. Saquon Barkley of the New York Giants, uh, arguably a top three pick in all fantasy football drafts this week. Uh, I'm currently working on the waiver wire column. Not crazy about the Giants backfield, especially behind that offensive line. This this one sucks. Yeah, and, you know, it's hard to get excited about even, you know, say they do sign a Devonta Freeman. If Saquon Barkley was having trouble in that offense, you know, what are the, what are the prospects for a guy like, uh, you know, Lamar Miller or uh, Devonta Freeman? Right. Uh, Christian McCaffrey also went down with an ankle injury after he scored his second touchdown of the game. Uh, his injury is not as serious as Barkley's, uh, but he is going to miss the next four to six weeks. If you had to choose between grabbing Mike Davis uh, for a temporary fix off of waivers or anyone from the New York Giants backfield, how, how do you approach that? I think I'd go Mike Davis. There was a brief Mike Davis uh, season in the offseason last year when he went to the Bears and people thought like, oh, you know, he's going to have a role. And then they drafted David Montgomery and he went away, ended up in Carolina. He caught eight passes, eight for eight uh and that team with that defense is going to be trailing from the get-go. They're going to need, you know, safe dump-offs. And I think he probably gets the lion's share uh, of the touches back there because, uh, you know, the rest of their guys are kind of special teams players. And, you know, maybe they make a move. But uh, I would think with a new coaching staff, nothing to really play for. They're going to be happy to let McCaffrey take his time, uh, hopefully learn from what happened with Saquon Barkley last year, rushing back from the same injury and just not being effective for, for a long stretch. All right. Now, we did have a few more injuries. Uh, Cortland Sutton, uh, <laughs> it was it was short, and he was battling injuries almost in both games, yeah. but he's officially done for the year. Uh, we also lost uh, – well, didn't lose, but Jimmy Garoppolo uh, had some injuries. Really, Kyle Shanahan was not happy with that turf in the Meadowlands against the Jets. Unfortunately, yeah. they do have to go back there and play another game next week against the Giants. Raheem <laughs> Mostert. Uh, doesn't seem like he's going to play next week. I believe Tevin Coleman is out for a little while as well. All of a sudden, Jarek McKinnon, who the 49ers signed to a pretty decent contract, I want to say about three years ago, he seems like he's in line for a really nice workload, but they still have you know, Jeff Wilson. Um, but, I mean, do you, do you think that McKinnon is worth picking up in fantasy leagues and, and starting him possibly over the Giants' backfield? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, Jeff Wilson, we saw him last year as a bit of a goal line short yardage role even with that pretty uh, heavy mix in, in the backfield. So that probably becomes what he is here. And McKinnon is, is the between-the-20s guy. And, and the thing that really attracts you for McKinnon is the pass catching. Right. He's looked great in, in two straight weeks catching the ball out of the backfield. Uh, they do not have much help coming through on, on the wide receiver front anytime soon. They're badly nicked up. So that should really just continue. Um and their defense has taken some lumps as well, losing Bosa for the year, uh, some other injuries there, Sherman. So their, their defense is not going to keep them in games and let them just pound the ball like they were in, in 2019. 
All right, now let's just talk a few of the games that we saw from Sunday. The big one that everyone is talking about, uh, it's the talk of the town in, in where I'm at right now in Atlanta. The Falcons blow a massive lead. Um, according to ESPN Stats and Info, uh, the teams that scored 39 points or more and had zero turnovers were 440-0. and 0. The Falcons became the first team in NFL history to put a loss in that column. They blew a massive lead, allowed 16 points, uh, to the Dallas Cowboys in the last five minutes. It's embarrassing. Really, since Super Bowl 51, the Falcons have not been able to, like, uh, that kind of broke them, uh, but they just have not been able to, like, bounce back from that by any means. Uh, they are basically known as a, a franchise that will openly choke away any game. This one's bad. It was huge for Dallas. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one? I mean, I, I honestly can't believe that Dan Quinn still has a job. Uh, good coach, not a great coach. This team has just been sinking over the last three years. Yeah, and Arthur Blank is loyal to a fault there. You know, you could argue that maybe some of the the responsibility falls on the GM. The the play the players and haven't been the best on the defensive side. Uh, they've had a lot of injuries as well. That's probably why both guys have survived a bit. But. Um, I, you know, I, I just, I, he's got to be gone this year. You can't keep doing that. He's, he's had his, his leash. The good news is that, you know, you can pretty much chalk up Matt Ryan and Calvin Ridley as a value every single week because they're just going to have to throw the ball a ton. All right. Uh, I know we were just talking about the 49ers defense. Now they've taken their bumps. Uh, as it turns out, uh, Solomon Thomas, uh, very good defensive lineman. He has torn his ACL. He uh-huh. is done for the year two. All of a sudden this, this, arguably DST one in fantasy football of the San Francisco 49ers. Now without Nick Bosa, now without Solomon Thomas, Richard Sherman's banged up, not looking great for them, uh, but we'll go to another game. Another one that was very popular this weekend, uh, the Los Angeles chargers against the Kansas city chiefs. Uh, Justin Herbert got a very immediate start after Terod Taylor was, uh, I guess had a chest injury, some chest pains, obviously wish the best for him. Uh, but Herbert goes out there and he has a 300-yard game, uh, leads this team to overtime against the defending Super Bowl champions. Now, my big gripe in this game is with Anthony Lynn, uh, kind of for two reasons. One, you know, when you're punting uh, and you're and you're not, you have to be aggressive against the Chiefs. You have to take chances. You know, that yeah. that's a team that can just beat you easily when they don't even have their A game or their B game, and it's in overtime. It's fourth down, and he doesn't even entertain the idea of going for it. And that blows my mind because all you have to – if you just punt to Kansas City, they just, they only needed a field goal to win the game. And sure enough, that was the case. It took Harrison Butker three tries, but he got it. Um, so I'm kind of disappointed that they didn't go for for, for on, go for it on fourth down to extend the game and possibly win the game with a touchdown. I'm also kind of disappointed because Justin Herbert looked pretty good, um, and, and Anthony Lynn is committed to – to Terod Taylor being the starting quarterback when he's ready to go. I think that's just a bad call. Your rookie quarterback looked pretty decent. Sure, he was raw. He was green at times. But overall, just just bad decision-making by Lane on Sunday, I felt. And, and that's what you're going to get with him. That That's the coaching tree he came up under. Uh, and, you know, that's the type of football he wants to play. He's that old-school mentality. He's not a, an analytics guy, really. Uh, doesn't entertain much of that. You know, the other disappointing part of that game to me is, you know, lots of yardage all over the place, but the touchdowns just, you know, not there. Um, you got Keenan Allen having a pretty decent day, but no touchdown. Uh, Austin Eckler, same thing. Um, Josh Kelly got a lot of carries, didn't didn't get a rushing touchdown. So, you know, it's it's a 
it's interesting that that that, that kind of just ripples throughout the entire team there. Um, and like you said, with the Chiefs, you got to put pressure on them. Um, Pat Mahomes has made up for a lot of Andy Reid's shortcomings uh, as a decision maker with the clock expiring. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to beat the Chiefs, that's what you got to do is, is hope that Andy Reid just bungles it. Uh, we'll move on to some individual player performances. Melvin Gordon had a really solid day. This was a crappy matchup, too, against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, but without Philip Lindsay, he got the lion's share of the workload. And he looked really good. Like, you know, I don't own Melvin Gordon anywhere. I didn't I didn't like mm-hmm. his opportunity in Denver coming into this year. So that's on me for not drafting. But what do you think about his performance on Sunday? Yeah, definitely encouraging if you if you got any shares there. Uh, that, that was always the hope is that. This, this offense wants to, they paid him, they want him to be the guy, they want to just feed him uh, a disgusting amount of, of touches. And, you know, with uh, with Phil Lindsay going down, that paved the way for it. And the Steelers' defense, you know, very good defense at home. So to, to have spots there where he looked good, uh, scoring a, a receiving touchdown, racking up 70 yards on the ground, um, Pretty encouraging, and we'll see how long it takes Lindsey to get back. But, you know, they just lost Cortland Sutton, as you mentioned. Uh, Jerry Judy got banged up in the game. I don't think he's going to miss time, but, you know. Uh, it's a huge are, opportunity for Noah Fant right now with Sutton officially done for Yeah, him. yeah, for sure. And I, I wonder, um, uh, I forget their, their rookie's uh, tight end's name, Albert. I'm going to just guess. Uh, it, it, uh, I apologize, but it's like Agunbawale, something like that. Um, <laughs> Just a really raw athlete, but like Noah Fant, like, uh, you know, he, he could definitely come in on, on two tight end sets and maybe make some waves there. All right, we'll go to the other side of the ball in this game. Uh, James Conner left early in week one. Um, very disappointing game from him, but Benny Snell was a hot waiver commodity a week ago. Sure enough, we turn the page, go to week two. It's Conner having the really good game and Benny Snell that just can't get anything going. Um, do you feel okay if you're a James Conner owner going forward? I was, I, I drafted him in the third round of a lot of drafts and I was kind of regretting that in week one, but at the same time, you know, it's the Steelers were being precautious. They didn't want to throw him back in and risk the injury. He was on the sideline in that Monday night game, stretching, warming up. Um, but I mean, week two, he comes out and he has a really good game. He finds the end zone. He got a majority of the workload and Benny Snell just looks like absolute crap. Yeah, I tweeted out uh, on Saturday. Somebody was you know, saying, if you're James Conner, do you force it if you're hurt so you don't lose the, the job? Or you know, do you sit out and, and risk Benny Snell taking your job? And I said, absolutely let Benny Snell audition. Uh, <laughs> the guy's a hammer <laughs> when, when, when he gets the right opportunity, but he's not the, the caliber running back uh, to, to take over a job, in my opinion. Showed it with three rushes, five yards, one fumble. Um you know, so yeah, Connor, you feel good about that, but he, you're always going to have the worry that he's going to get nicked up and almost definitely will at some point where we're only in week two. Um, another big story from this game, though, Deontay Johnson uh, taking over in, in that wide receiver core. Roethlisberger trusts him. He's, he's got some great moves. Is a really nice compliment to Juju. Um, you know, he went 92 and a touchdown. I, I think this is just the tip of the iceberg. He's been the most targeted receiver on the team. And that's probably going to continue. Right. Totally agree. Uh, we'll move on to another running back. Jonathan Taylor um, had a great opportunity once Marlon Mack went down in week one. A lot of people thought that it would be a little bit of a split backfield, maybe 60-40 split between Taylor and Hines. Honestly, I was one of them. I put Hines as the waiver wire grab last week, but kind of kept the fab bid minimum. 
Um, got outbid by plenty of people in my leagues. And sure enough, Jonathan Taylor goes out and he dominates with in terms of carries. Went over 100 yards, found the end zone. He looked phenomenal running behind one of the best offensive lines in the league. Yeah, they wasted no time uh, right out of the gate with the opening drive. I think he got like 11 of the 12 touches. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, that, that they set the tone right away. The Vikings defense is reeling. They've got injuries all over the place, uh, youth. And their offense is, is you know, uh, definitely not what it was in, in 2019. So Colts took advantage of that. Not the game script for Naheem Hines. Um, encouraging to see if you're, you know, Jonathan Taylor owner. Uh, it's kind of like you know, you're chasing a bad flop and lucking into it where he gets the job in week two off of an injury. Um, but, you know, you're here. You've got him. Uh, you're going to have bad luck elsewhere. Just Just be happy about it and. Hope that that team, uh, you know, the defense plays well and Phillip Rivers continues to be a game manager and not shooting them in the foot so Jonathan Taylor can do his thing. Now, uh, the last player we're going to touch on uh, is one that you actually recommended before the podcast. And you actually mentioned some, like, really good numbers to back this guy. But Mike Kosicki, who I dropped in two leagues actually heading into Sunday, um, it's mostly because I'm concerned that the Dolphins eventually make a move to Tua, and I'm not exactly sure they'll have the chemistry. But Kasicki goes out, he has a monster day, and you make a really good point because he's actually more of a wide receiver right now than he is a tight end. Yeah, so 92% of his snaps have come in a non-in-line role, meaning he either got split out wide or into the slot, and that's a much more uh, of a receiving position in the field. Uh, and you know, the, the numbers bear it out in this game for sure. Um, you know, uh, that was something that we were keeping our eye on last week. It, it was there last week as well. Uh, you know, there, there's not a lot for them to throw to. Devontae Parker is hit and miss. He's got the hamstring bothering him. Preston Williams coming back from his own knee thing from last year. Isaiah Ford is a solid third receiver. But, you know, they just need playmakers. And Gasicki is that. You know, he, he's making one-handed grabs. Um, scoring touchdowns, you know, he, he was he was one of the highest scoring tight ends of the week. So, um, you know, r- week one was scary if you were a Gasicki owner, and and yeah, now week two you've you've got the boom. So just kind of hope that it's somewhere in between the rest of the way. All right. Well, week two was an absolute crapshoot. Plenty of injuries. I'm sure that's we've, we've got 14, uh, 15 weeks left in the regular season. Pretty sure we'll see plenty more injuries. A lot of these soft tissue hamstring injuries. Uh, the, the torn ACLs absolutely suck, but, uh, Mike, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck to you in week three and best of luck to the FA nation.